Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Welcome everybody to Deep Drinks Podcast. This is going to be a good one. Um, I'm very excited because Ben said the magic words, I'm drinking um, tonight, uh, so I'm going to have more than one. So I'm like, awesome, I'm going to join you. So this is going to be, this is going to be a fun, fun, fun episode. Um, before we start, uh, we'll be ferociously, I don't know if that's the right word, muting trolls in the chat. Um, but welcome all good faith questions because we'll do a Q&A at the end, but feel free to ask your questions throughout. Uh, I have my mods ready to go, so make sure your questions don't sound bad faith, because uh, then we'll be muting you. Um, ben, so just to introduce Ben, Ben is a fourth-year medical student, a trans man, and is currently in service with the United States military. Ben debunks pseudoscience and snake oil-esque nonsense on his YouTube channel. Um, that is when he's not co-hosting one of the many call-in shows, which include Truth Wanted, The Transatlantic Call-In Show, Talk Heathen, The Line, and many more. Let's jump straight into it. Welcome, student Dr. Ben. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> very, very well. Uh, so I have a quick, quick first question as we talk about what we're drinking. When you, I've got a degree in marketing. Um, when you become a full doctor, what's going to happen with your branding? Are you going to be Dr. Ben? Yeah, I'm I'm debating kind of in my head a, a couple name choices. We might be going family doctor, Ben, because I'm going into family medicine uh, and that makes me sound like a nice person. I mean, I am a nice person, but it, it gives me that, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of small town doctor type type feel to the channel. And that might be what I want to do. Um, but we'll see. I, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards at this point. Dr. Ben, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that. Awesome. Well, um, what are we drinking? We are drinking Manhattan today. So we had talked about lots of different options uh, of things to go with. And I was going to go with an old fashioned initially, but somebody else was also going to be doing an old fashioned. And uh, these are very similar drinks with instead of the sugar used in an old fashioned, we have sweet vermouth in the Manhattan, which gives it a little bit more of a of some depth of flavor. So I figure, you know, it's a great cocktail. It's simple. It's very uh, balanced and, you know, it's it's a great drink. If anyone out there th also wants to join us. In some yeah, for sure. What, what What is everyone else drinking? Um, and also, you mentioned another drink that um, we didn't get around to. I couldn't find it um, in Australia. Like, all of Australia, I had to order it online. Um, and I left it too late like an idiot. So I feel really bad. But it was like Aquavit or something. Um, I had to have, there's like a Norwegian spirit. Uh yeah, Akavi. Akavi, Akavi. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. Um, it's it's kind of like vodka in that it's either potato based or grain based. Um, yeah. and not a lot of flavor on its own, but it's flavored with spices like caraway and that kind of thing. I think caraway is like the most forward flavor, which makes it savory and really interesting. So we we're gonna try to do that, but it it is more. I screwed up. To find, I screwed up. We'll have to have you. But if we have you back, if we, we'll have to do it because I was so excited to try it, and I was so bummed that I left it too late. Um, and I was like, why didn't I order this? Even if I did order it, it takes about two weeks usually. Um, Australia is a bit of an island. Um, but yeah. um, but yeah. So um, 
So I wanted to start. <laughs> I wanted to start this with a bit of fire. I wanted to start this mm. getting some venom out because uh, last night I, uh, I, in preparation for this, actually, um, because we titled this "What Is a Man," I obviously watched uh, Matt Walsh's amazing uh, piece of sophistry, uh, "What Is a Woman." <laughs> um, oh, it was worse than I thought. Um, it's horrible. <laughs> and I just wanted to. Can we just? Can we just sink our teeth into that just quickly? Because I know a lot of people Absolutely. watching this might be <laughs> clicking just on the name. So let's talk about this. It was garbage. Like, it was like, I'm surprised so many people are like celebrating it. Um, because it, it truly, like, even if you take a minute to think, you just, it just makes no sense. What are your thoughts on it, first of all? Yeah. First of all, like, my main point about this is that trans people that I know should, should not be watching this. It's just, it's pure vitriol. It's not even a documentary. It's just hate propaganda. And mm. unless you are out there to debunk it specifically on a show or something, I don't think trans people need to watch it. It, it will do mm. more damage to a trans person than uh, it's worth to really debunk for them. Um, so like, be careful if you're trans and, and wanting to watch it. It is hard. It is hard to watch. Um, but also, it's it takes some very uh, bad arguments already, and off like it, it seems to make them worse than they already were, which is hilarious because they're not going with any good arguments, and it's all cherry picked. Uh, the experts, they even okay. I don't know if you were aware of how they picked the trans people to interview on. Oh, I can only imagine. Like they baited, they baited trans people. And they, oh, really? they gave the assumption that it was going to be a fair, uh, honest inquiry of, oh, a, yeah. of a question. And so they baited all of these trans people to appear on this show yeah. and then just brought them in to to trash them and to yeah, make, make fun them, of them on them look, screen. Yeah. It's 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 um it's interesting because what is a woman? Uh, that question is actually really complicated. Uh, mm -hmm. It isn't if you've got like, you know, four brain cells or something, or like you're thinking about it from like a grade two level, like you're telling like your child, like, oh, that's a woman, that's a man, like, and pointing to two different mm -hmm. people. But like the actual question is quite hard, right? Because um, like, and, and people answered it in the documentary, um, but he, he just, let me just pull up something actually. Um, 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 I think we just so there, there's something that I so I was so the, the big thing that they always talk about is like, um, is like tr transgender bathrooms, right? That's the big thing. They didn't they didn't talk mm. too much about it in the documentary, um, but they always bring it up like it's some sort of like a like a like like trans people are going to be running around like checking out people in the bathroom and stuff like this, mm -hmm. but they don't, they don't ever consider like the, the flip side of it. Right. So it's like, so you're telling me, um, so, so Matt is saying, I want to see this person in the woman's bathroom. I want to see my little girl go into a, a change room and Buck Angel is here with his big tats, bald yeah. head, been trans for like 40 years. Um, and he, he just, he just like walks into the cubicle. Like that's the, 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 the alternative right. space. Um, but they don't ever consider that as like a, like it's, it's like, I want to see this person when I go into 
a woman's change room or, or, or men's change room um, for the other way around. It's it's crazy. Um, in the bathroom thing, often it targets cis people more than it does trans people a lot of the time because you have a range of people in, in like you can be even assigned female at birth and have very different expressions and presentations and certain people's body features surprisingly overlap. Like there isn't this straight uh, black and white this is a masculine person, this is a feminine person, even with regard to biology, there's so much overlap. And mm -hmm. you have mostly, when you target trans people uh, in the bathrooms, you're targeting cis people too. Uh, a lot of mm -hmm. cis women with more masculine facial features or broader shoulders or that are taller might be mistaken for a, a trans woman and they get kicked out. So now where are those people going to go? It, when you're targeting one group of people, you're not thinking about who else are you catching in this? And yeah. it, it's clear that they want a very simple answer for something that absolutely is not simple. And like uh, an analogy that Katie Montgomery uses, and I'm stealing this, but at least I'm giving her credit, is that uh, one time on, on Transatlantic, she mentioned, like, if you were to try to answer the question, what is the definition of a woman? Like, take a, another example of a chair. And can you think of a definition that includes all chairs and excludes all non-chairs? Yeah. You really can't do it. No. It's it's like, and, and you and you go, you, you could ask someone, like, what is, I'm just asking what a chair is. You use them every day. What's a chair? Like, and then the person's getting flustered and you're like, come on, like, what, just tell me what a right, chair is. Just tell is. me <laughs> clearly what, what a chair is. Like, yeah. oh, so it's, it's a thing that you sat on. Oh, so if I sat on the table, does that make the table a chair? <laughs> yeah. Or did I put my food on my chair? Does that make it a table? It's like, yeah. you can do this with almost anything. And so it's a dishonest argument to, to say, well, this is nebulous. Therefore, it's. Uh, you're not answering my question and and you can even turn this back on them uh like i would love to sit down with matt walsh and say what makes you a man and see oh. you stumble yeah because this is what i, I want to ask you like if we can do like a game like let's yeah. let's use what we imagine matt walsh's idea of gender is let's just mm -hmm. use that and let's try and work out is matt walsh a man like can we do it because, like, from my understanding, we'd need to see his genitals, right? Because his his idea, yeah. his, his concept, or his chromosomes. Well, you need, so yeah, you need to have a combination, and you'd have to see their genitals, their external and internal. You'd also have to see their uh, genotype. <laughs> so, and you'd also there's a, a like it's constantly moving the goalpost with what they determine to be your sex, and a lot of people have decided upon your gametes or your gamete potential. So we'd have to also see that he is able to produce sperm and that the sperm are functional. That's that's so, what we'd have to, to see here. Or at least that he at one point had the potential to produce sperm. So Ben Shapiro is his boss, right, of the Daily Wire? So he doesn't know, like, Ben Shapiro, he doesn't know what... So he, Ben Shapiro could be girl boss. Like, girl boss, right. Ben Shapiro, woo-woo. Like, yeah. he, he doesn't know. He hasn't grabbed Ben Shapiro's salty little balls and, and gone, mm, these look like natural balls to me. Like, it's just... Right, he doesn't you have know. To make he's walking around life, like in ben, in Matt's mind, he's walking around life, not knowing who. Like I don't know who's who. Like that, that could be a man or a woman. That could like my wife. Like he he found out on his wedding night whether, whether or not what gender his wife was. Like come on, like it's so silly.
Yeah, e- even they rely on self ID, and they're gonna. Their whole argument is anti self ID. Well, you just can't. You can't just declare what you are. But that's what you do every day. Uh, like if I walked into to you on the street, odds are I would refer to you as male, and I would use male pronouns for you without even thinking about it. Um, and it, like, I'm taking you at your presentation for it. I'm not mm. looking at your karyotype. I don't know your exact biology. Um, and if you said, yeah, I'm a man, like I would have no problem agreeing with you there. So mm. why is it so much of a problem that uh, I present in public and the same things that you wouldn't see uh, from you, you wouldn't see from me because I'm not showing you anything in public. How come we can take David's word, but not mine? in public for uh, and you're going to assume i'm male anyway they already do assume mm. that i'm male so i'm not even asking you like at least for me i'm not asking you to abandon your assumptions a, a lot of trans people like the the way that we're going in this conversation is yes we want to be more inclusive and that's why we're using pronouns and that's why we're asking is because the assumption isn't always right so that's that's all we're doing is just saying like if, if you have a, a masculine presenting cis woman and you say, how are you doing, sir? And she says, actually, it's ma'am. But they're not trans. That's OK. They would apologize and say, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, and move on. Mm. But if this was a trans person, it's all of a sudden, why do you get to define yourself as a woman? Like, but you're doing the same exact thing. I know. I know. And it's so, it's like, I don't know what this like, I don't know what this thing is about like being the arbiters of truth where you're like, show me your genitals. Like, I want to like, know what you like were born as. Like, I just don't get, like he, he said on when he was on um, Dr. Phil, uh, gen- gender is a linguistic term. Uh, you can have whatever self perception you want, but you can't expect me to take part in that self uh, perception. But <laughs> Like his name is Matthew Walsh. He asks people to call him Matt. Like his his yeah. like birth certificate name. I call him Matt Walsh because that's how he wants to be known in the world. Is it so right. hard to be like, yo, dude? Like, I'm I'm uh, I'm actually a woman, and you're like, oh, okay, ma'am. Like, is that so hard? Like, I I just don't see why it's such like a such like a um a big issue. Um, you know, it's just it, it, it's it's nuts. Um. And for, for most of it, like, for most of it, like, fortunately, because I, I don't, um, I don't personally have to deal with this, like, the constant need to um, kind of defend my identity, um, like, I'm sure yourself and most mm-hmm. trans people have to have to constantly go through. So, so when I was watching the show, it was a mixture of like, anger, at just how stupid the arguments were and laughter at like the insanity that I was seeing. I wasn't necessarily like emotional about it. I, I didn't actually consider that, you know, a trans person watching this might be quite harmed by what they what they're hearing. But one part did get to me. Uh, one part got to me. Um, I paused the documentary and I went looking. There was that um, that person, the trans man that was mm-hmm. on, and they said there have been there have been studies that say transitioning helps mental health. They have all been retracted. That's not um, true. <laughs> oh, it's so not true. That's not and- true. And also, the <laughs> it's funny when when they bring in these grifters like that that trans man in the, that video, or people like Buck Angel, 
or uh, yeah. Blair White or any any of those trans people that have decided to side with the with the transphobes. And there's yeah. some interesting. And I brought I brought him up for a reason for that reason. By the way, I knew he was part of the. Um, yeah, and and like yeah. he, so he didn't transition as a kid, and and they in the documentary they they're using him to say this is why you shouldn't mutilate children, which that's a big piece of misinformation because we are not doing genital surgeries on children. We do not mm. do that. Um, in fact, the people that want to do genital surgeries on children are the ones advocating for assigning intersex kids to. Uh, sex before they're of the age of consent so mm -hmm. it's actually their side that is doing the unnecessary harm to children we are not advocating for that in any way but they're saying like look at this this person's forearm scar from his phalloplasty we shouldn't be doing this to kids we're not he transitioned like in his 40s so he made that conscious decision as an adult to do mm -hmm. that and you have every right to do that and and you have every right as well to to detransition. And there's an important point with people who there are about two percent on average is what we're seeing with, from the studies of people who want to detransition or who mm. who don't who decide that that transition was not right for them. And we don't disown these people. Um, I think the detransitioners are evidence that gender dysphoria is a real thing. You have people who maybe it wasn't the right move for them and they got dysphoric from transitioning, which only mm. shows that there is some part of you that, that has a, a sense of gender and that you want to be comfortable with yourself. And most of the trans community will happily accept you uh, as a detransitioner. As long as you know, you're, you're saying that this is my detransition but there are other trans people that do not regret their transition. But you get certain people like this this one guy, and there's another one on, on Twitter not too long ago, who you look into their story and they go on this, well, I transitioned and it sucked. I hate it. And then they make no effort to detransition. None. Yeah. Like, and yeah. they even, one of them even said, like, I'm very happy living as a man. But I just don't want to make people uncomfortable and stuff. And it's like, so so it's a social thing and you don't want to detransition. You just say you enjoy living as a man. So maybe this is right for you and you're just trying to get sympathy from from people. And it turned out that this person on Twitter um, it was complaining about being bald uh, after starting tea, which looking into the story, he had a history of PCOS, which he was already going bald before T. So you start looking into the details and a lot of these people that are grifters are not communicating the whole story. And mm. if you had the, all of the information, uh, you can't really use them as examples in favor of the transphobes. They actually mm. give more information as to, to why we need to take care of people better and, and be more inclusive. So it's, I don't know if you have um, on that guy, uh, the, the specific the, in the video. The, that yeah. So when that when he said that, I was like, okay, like this is a new documentary. I, I'll look up the studies. Like I'll look up because you know I'm I'm familiar with. We, we might talk about vaccines later. I'm, I'm familiar with um, uh, Andrew Wakefield's 1998 Lancet paper, and it's still there. Like you know the mm. the, the Illuminati aren't hiding it. It just has a big retracted stamp across it right and like you can still look at it it's but it's like it's obvious that it's retracted 
I looked for these retracted studies that he, he spoke about. I couldn't find any, um, given I didn't go through every medical journal. But um, but what I did find was uh, on Corn Cornell.edu, I found a systematic review, and I'll just read it here. We mm. conducted a systematic literature review of all peer-reviewed articles published in English between 1991 and June 2017 that assesses an, um, the effects of gender transition on transgender well-being. We identified 55 studies that consist of primary research on this topic, of which 51, so 93%, found that gender transition improves the overall well-being of transgender people, while four, 7%, reported mixed or null findings. We found no studies concluding that gender transition caused overall harm. And this, this, like, this is all just there. Like, and to me, the fact that, that Matt, uh, Walsh just decided to leave that, that point in the documentary, but didn't fact check it. Uh, well, he probably did. He has to be a bad faith actor at this point. He like, oh, there's no, yeah, there's no way that he can be like, I'm making an honest documentary and then doesn't look up, like it took me five minutes to find this quote and to see all the studies listed. And I clicked and I opened the first line of studies to check that they weren't retracted. They were all there. And this, the findings were all there. It was all, it was all up to date. Like it, it, it blew me away. Um, yeah. There's one study that they, they like to cite frequently, which does not say what they think it does. Uh, they use it to say that gender affirming surgery uh, or people that undergo gender affirming surgery have higher rates of suicidality and mental health issues. Um, but actually what the study said, it was not comparing trans people pre-surgery to trans people post-surgery. It compared trans people with cis people. So yeah, we know that trans yeah. people have higher rates of suicidality and mental health issues. Course. usually related to societal treatment of trans people and lack of access to, to care and other facilities. But it, you can't cite that and say that this is about post-op trans people when this is about post-op trans people compared to their cis counterparts that never had gender dysphoria to begin with. Um, mm. Or those other studies that uh, show... One of the studies that they try to use to show regret rates for trans people um, included gender non-conforming kids. So even if you had uh, a boy that identified as a boy and played with dolls or did some feminine activity, they would be labeled as gender non-conforming and thus included in the trans group for the study. So many of those people would not be included. They would not meet inclusion criteria for uh, first yeah. study on trans people. So they're citing studies that have obvious flaws to them. And it's very easy to debunk these points because of that. And it, it leads often, often these, um, these talking points, um, lead straight to the conclusion, um, that the progressive, um, progressive side is pointing to like we should be more inclusive we should you know be respectful of trans like if trans people have a high rate of suicide it's like well let's let's do everything we can to stop them from like killing themselves like this like like but that's not the conclusion they arrive at they arrive at some mm -hmm. like wacko like like otherworldly like conclusion it's 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 bizarre um 
or like the other one, uh, they, they just, I just want to mention the study, the twin study, which had a, a botched um, circumcision. Uh, and so yep. a doctor convinced the parents to raise the botched child twin. Sorry, there were two twins as, as a woman, as a, as a girl. Um, and <laughs> quote, they could, ne and, and he says, it's like, it's a point. They could never accept their gender. It's like, yeah. Because yeah. their gender was male. <laughs> like, it's it's <laughs> evidence in favor of our point that, that you it, have some innate gender identity that it, even if you take somebody and change their genitals, <laughs> it does not change what's in their brain. Yeah, and yeah. so the points that they think are proving their point are not. They're proving our points. That gender oh. dysphoria is a real thing. And that yeah. conversion therapy doesn't work because that's what essentially you did to that kid. Like you forcibly assigned that kid and then use conversion therapy on him and it didn't work. Yeah. So how's amazing. that going to work on anybody else? <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is just a big, like, it's one of my favorite. Um, it's one of my, when I'm debating someone who's a bad faith actor, um, I turn off the good faith as well. Um, I'll usually meet them where they are and yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the burden of proof back on them the whole time. Burden of proof. Just I'll never take, I'll never take anything. I'll just, I'm giving away my secrets here. But that's essentially mm -hmm. what the documentary is, is him just going like, it's so funny too, because I, I recorded myself watching it. I'm, I, don't, I won't release it anywhere, I don't think. But he says some, he says something like, um, like, you know, the, these people don't have all the answers. So I'm going to go to a university. And I paused and I was like, let me, like, they're going to find the most like feminist, blue haired, like, you know, professor that they can in the in the world. Sure enough, next like press play, blue head, like mm -hmm. gender study. It's like, of course, like they're not finding they're fine that I, I think they probably did like a hundred times more interviews and they just like whittled it down to the people that they could make look like they had the most extreme position on one side. Um, yeah. And then he comes in as like the, I just like to go fishing. You know, I just, a normal man, I, you know, I wear flannelette shirts. I tuck them in and I'm just trying to work out what's going on. It's like, no, you're not. You're a bad faith actor. Also, um, like, why do you, why is your opinion of someone who's never studied sociology or psychology or medicine or any of these uh, fields that are relevant to the conversation? Why is your perspective given equal platforming to a doctor of sociology and gender studies. Like, yeah. why are these, they're, obviously, these two opinions are not equal. And mm. I hate that the desire of society and, and like, as one of the downsides of having a democratic republic where people view their opinions as being equal because they have an equal vote. Like, no, your opinion is not equally valid to somebody that has studied this in depth and has learned the nuance of the conversation. Like they want this to be a nuance free conversation. And this is the same argumentation that we see from theists uh, on a lot of these, <laughs> these shows that I'm on and uh, all over Twitter. They want things to be a very, a conversation devoid of nuance. And um, yeah. Like if you get into a, a debate with somebody about creationism, uh, oftentimes the theist will go to a, but it's just much more simple to think yeah. this way. It's like, but simplicity mm. is not like, because the argument is simple does not mean that it's true. And, mm. and I think that that's a similar argumentation point that they use here is that, well, our definition is simple. And, and so it's true. Like, no, it's, it's devoid of nuance. And like, they'll, they'll say, well, but basic biology, well, 
basic biology is only okay until it's overturned by advanced biology. Like if you haven't understood the advanced biology, oh, yeah, true. Then I didn't even consider like that. Basic biology is so dumbed down to a point where like it's it's for beginners. You start mm. off with the beginning until you can learn to recognize the nuance and understand the more in-depth process. Like you you take this with any any field of study at all. You take a high school course on it, like yeah, okay, you're getting a very watered down version, but that's appropriate if you're a 15-year-old kid. You go to college, oh. you study the same thing. It's a little bit more in depth, but still not not quite there. You get a master's degree. You add some more. Like, okay, now you're starting to feel stupid because it's a lot more difficult than you thought it was. And then you enter a yeah. doctorate program, it's even worse. And then you go in your field and it's the same. It just gets more and more in depth and and you learn what misinformation you you had yesterday uh, is false. And yeah. so they're st stuck at the the college level biology, like the the gen bio level biology, and saying they're not even well, there. They're not, not even. They're still not in like even grade there. three. They're still yeah, in grade like... three biology. Like, but <laughs> but basic biology. Well, but but hold on, the advanced biology disagrees with you. So you can claim your basic biology, but your basic biology is is wrong, and that's just that's just a fact. Like, it's not it's not like I'm expecting everybody to go get a doctorate i'm not saying that but if you're not looking into that level of detail then you can't be the arbiter and what's true and not and i'm not saying either that a doctorate is going to be the arbiter because they're all no. constantly arguing with each other uh, about their field of study and that's why we have peer review but it's just the the dunning kruger effect is is so real and so incredibly frustrating <laughs> But what gets me about the whole thing is like he's masquerading as he's trying to get to the truth. And he's masquerading as like, you know, science told me that a male is this. Like he's masquerading as like he's he's trying to be scientific. Mm -hmm. And he does this like he does this big ass straw man when he's talking to that um is a gender studies um professor or the pediatric professor. Um yeah. And and she says something like, Santa is real for my children. And then he's like, yeah, but Santa isn't real. And then, she, and then, like, we know Santa's real. It was real for my children. And then he takes that straw man, like, takes that, and he straw mans this entire argument, yeah. like, what is a woman? And then, like, he goes and interviews a bunch of people. But it's like, I, I, the irony was like slapping me in the face about like his position starts with a god belief that he has no evidence for, zero. Like, mm -hmm. if he had any evidence, it would be studied at universities and in, in, in like a form of like epistemology, not just like theology. Um, no evidence for takes it on faith, uh, and then and then masquerades as if like he's not doing the same thing that children do with Santa, like my truth, your truth. Right. It's like, no, there is just is truth. Where's your truth on the God claim? Like, just and then like if if you put like if I could lock him in a, a little black room with me like a little room with one little light bulb and we could sit there and we weren't leaving until we agreed on terms um i think that he would have to just he would retreat to faith when you pressed him on his god belief like he wouldn't have an yeah. answer and yeah. it's like you're doing the same thing and like the irony just just like it made me so happy and angry at the same time it was amazing like i just the the, the feelings like the the um, you know, the right always talks about triggered lefties. I was a triggered lefty, but in the best way possible when I was watching that. Um, mm -hmm. It was it's amazing. Um, yes, I could go on about ranting about Matt Walsh the, the, this whole <laughs> time, but it's...
<laughs> but yeah, his documentary, uh, could you sum it up in one word? What would you say if you summed it up in one word? Bad. That's <laughs> like, I don't need a whole lot of, a whole lot of fancy words. Like I could just say it's bad. Yeah. I think I actually disagree with you. I think it's really good in like the way it's presented and stuff. I just think if you, if you take an, a proper look at it, it is very, I would agree. It's very bad. I think the, the problem is it's actually really good. Like, you know, Joe oh, Rogan, the, fil the filmmaking, the filmmaking yeah, yeah. Is, is done well. Like it, it's good for a propaganda piece. Yeah. Like yeah. in, in functioning as propaganda, like they do a good, good job doing the propaganda. So I will, yeah. I will give, give you that. Yeah. But like my, I'm, sure, factual, I'm sure no. Mein Kampf was beautifully written. Like, oh, mein Kampf yeah. was perfect, yeah, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say garbage. Um, like garbage points. I'd have to use two words. Um, but that's enough about Matt Welsh. Um, and I will use his preferred name because uh, we're inclusive here. Because we're nice. Uh, yeah, because we're nice. Um, uh, so... So I did want to get into your story, obviously. Um, mm. So you grew up religious, uh, and yeah. now, yeah, and you're a trans man. So yeah, I'm sure that's a wild story. Can you tell us about it? Um, yeah. So I'm actually kind of like a, a minister's kid. So not like a full on pastor, I guess. But um, in the U.S., we have a lot of these college ministries, like these Bible study youth groups that. Uh, happen on college campuses and i mean their main goal is to basically convert college kids to to whatever religion and so my parents work for one of those so i've been around the church forever um like in organizational sense and i was one of those kids this is actually interesting because even from being very young like I never evaluated the claims of Christianity because I was afraid of hell. Like I was afraid of hell, like even since I was really little. And I throughout like my childhood, they'd have like these altar calls and stuff. And while I had like accepted Jesus at, at a very young age, I still felt the need to, re-accept multiple times because I didn't know if my first time was good enough and I didn't want to go to hell because I I didn't do well enough the first time or I wasn't sincere enough mm. the first time. Mm. And all of that like really, really hit me hard. I, I grew up with a lot of feelings of shame and guilt and I've never felt good about myself. And I I just kind of accepted everything on face value from what people were telling me just based on on that fear aspect so i i thought uh going into college like i was this super academic person i was like yeah i'm gonna study apologetics and we're gonna like and I, I was a theater major for the first part of college before switching to biology because that was actually a fun story in that um i basically believed that uh you had certain talents and they were God given to you and God had your destiny set for you. And that's what you're going to do. And I was raised oh, in the theater. No. So like my dad's a minister and my mom's the theater director. So uh, oh, that's being the in the theater since age five, I was like, yeah, I've been gifted in theater. I'm going to be, I'm going to go do acting and that's my lot in life. And then it turns out in college, I realized that it's a choice. Like, 
people that went into medicine chose that. Like they're not any more special than me. Like yeah. God didn't give them this particular path. Like it's they made a choice and they went for it. And I said, hey, I could I could do that, too. I can also make that choice. And so I changed my major to biology. And it's amazing how long I held on to theism throughout that because I had no good reasons for it. And, and every time I went to a pastor or somebody with the same concerns, it was always like, hey, this argument isn't really a good argument. Like, where and especially with regard to how they chose books of the Bible and things like what, what made these books legitimate and these ones not like, we don't like the Catholics obviously, but like what makes the Apocrypha something that we don't do, but, but they do and no good answers coming for why we chose what books we did and, and why we believe what we do. And it, it gave me questions and then their stance on, gay people and trans people and i was i was very closeted at the time like didn't even wasn't even really aware of myself at the time just because i wasn't allowed to be i didn't know we were a thing um but as i kept going through my biology degree i came to more questions and number one was human evolution is not at all what the church had claimed it was like so they're already wrong on on one point like, so what else are they wrong about? And and just as I discovered more about the world and discovered how unwilling these people were to accept what was clearly science, uh, like I'd moved from like young earth creationist to evolutionary theist to like, and at that point too, like my, my anti-vax beliefs were challenged as well because my family is also very anti-vax. And so that was challenged. I found out that, hey, there's no good evidence to demonstrate harm of vaccines. So I abandoned that belief. Uh, and, and as I was just, you know, going through each of these claims, I eventually ended up at uh, watching AXP and other shows. And I was like, this isn't true. Like, and there's the no way that I can go back Matt, to believing something that I'm not convinced is true. Matt so. Dillahunty's evil spirit got you. He got Tate Hoskins. He got you. He got myself. It's just yeah. start watching aches, you know, the atheist experience. And that's what happens. Um, did, uh, <laughs> it's a joke by the way, everyone. <laughs> no, it's, did, it's um... funny too. Cause my family, I'm, I'm sure by now that they know I'm a host of talk heathen. Cause like, it's hard to hide anything. Yeah that's on the internet from from your family um mm. so i'm sure that they're aware they're aware that i'm an atheist i was kind of forced to come out to them as an atheist in that when i was still in college um they kind of gave me like an intervention of like you're gonna go to church or else and i was like i had to come out at that point like hey i don't believe this shit and that's why i'm not going to church anymore but um so they know i'm an atheist but like it, it'd be funny if if they knew the fact that like they had raised me to to be this very religious person and now I'm hosting <laughs> like the second biggest atheist Colin show on the internet, but you know that's a different point. They'll they'll find out soon enough and maybe they'll call so, it. I don't know. What kind of um? I have to know. I'm I'm taking some guesses, but what kind of Christian were you? Evangelical. Uh yeah okay so did you do the yeah. 
like there's evangelical because we don't really have evangelicals in Aust- in Australia. Mm. They're like more Pentecostals, I guess. Um, yeah, we weren't that far. Um, all the churches I went to were non-denominational. So okay, yeah. Did you do, just kinda... did, was there like worship? Um, sometimes prayer flags. Um, like not yeah. prayer flag, worship flags. Like speaking in tongues, that kind of thing. We didn't have any of that. We didn't have any of the speaking okay. in tongues. Like none of the weird stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but it was just, like we were one of those churches though that like had the like the rock band for worship and, yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very contemporary <laughs> to to try to keep you there and like very yeah. uh you couldn't really define them as as being a specific denomination mm. but it's it clearly protestant of the protestant variety and the like didn't have a whole lot of polarizing views in terms of what branch of protestantism so mm. Yeah, right. So do, so you came out to your family as atheist. I remember seeing a show with you a year ago or so uh, where you they, they didn't know that you were trans yet because uh, you're only recently trans, yeah. right? Like over the last few years. Yeah, um, I transition. I started transition after my first year of med school. So I did a whole year of medical school before transitioning. And I came <laughs> out to them a year ago uh, in December. Wow. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how that went? It was bad. It was a bad time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I but I I don't regret it still because I'm much happier knowing that they know and I don't have to hide anything. Like, they don't approve at all. And they said mm-hmm. some very horrible things to me, which I'm not going to say here because they're very horrible things. Um, mm-hmm. But and it all come it all came down to like. They don't want me forcing my lack of religious views on them. Like, okay, calm the fuck down. That's not what I'm doing. And like calling somebody by their preferred name and pronouns is not forcing you to abandon your religious beliefs. Like, calm down. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, they're they taking a like martyr stance that they don't deserve at all for that. But, you know, it's... Uh, the, the old... Yeah. They're just like, sorry to... So first of all, uh, for those who don't know this show... Um, we have deep conversations over deep drinks. I invite Christians on. I like Christians. I invite Hare Krishnas on. I invite everyone. This isn't just an atheist calling show. Um, so excuse me as I rant just for a second about um, Christians, but they, they have this like intense persecution complex. I find a lot of the time. Some don't, but some definitely do. And it's like, you know, the, you know, it's like I remember when same-sex marriage, the plebiscite was coming around Australia, and everyone was voting on the right on whether or not. Um, uh, like members of the LGBT community could have the could have human rights and be able to get married. Um, they they were like they thought it was persecution on them somehow, and I I, I yeah. still couldn't. I was like like because God instituted marriage, so it's like so it will never be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And I'm like okay, but I'm like okay, so 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 great. So like that doesn't matter then if the if they are considered by law. Because you wouldn't consider them as married, so that's fine, right? And he's like, oh, "Well, I still won't vote." I was like, "But wait, what?" Like, I'm, I'm like so your confused. Your church like, can still yeah. deny a religious marriage for them. Like, that's yeah. like, do whatever you want in your religion, but don't take away all of my options with the yeah. court. Like, or, if or I like have to I... get a court marriage, like, so be it. But like, maybe <laughs> I don't want to get married in your church anyway. Yeah, or but... ask them like. Wait, so so can atheists get married? Can Satanists get married if it's ordained by God? Like what like what 
like is, is it only a christian thing or like are they not considered married because they're not through the eyes of god or like you know like what or can a hindu couple get married and like um i remember asking um just asking like okay so let's say a gay couple get married is it more of a sin for them to stay married or get divorced because like divorce is a sin mm -hmm. and like <laughs> ah, ah like brain does not compute and like they yeah it's like yeah. they can yeah so it, it just amazes me or like i had a family member a friend's mother walked past like a poster in an airport that said like love is love virgin australia or something and they're like does this have to be shoved in our throat every second of every day and it's just like wow like it's like that it's not <laughs> it's just that like it's just there and it's it's funny for me like funny not in a haha funny but like a bad yeah. funny like mm. you're gonna take this persecution complex and be like you're interfering on my right to be christian it's like think about this like you have a trans person talking to you like if we were to, and i'm not saying that you should necessarily compare your miseries to somebody else because like that's kind of meaningless but in this particular case like you have a trans person have have you as a christian in the united states have you ever been given a death threat? Have you ever been denied health care? Have you ever been denied bathroom use? Have you ever been called uh, a slur for, for who you are? Like, you compare these things. Like, you're, you're saying that you're being persecuted because someone asked you to use a certain name and pronouns for them. Like, I get harassed on a daily basis. Like, I get death threats. I get people saying, why don't you kill yourself? Like, so if you're going to play that card, why are you playing that card when you haven't experienced any of these things in the face of somebody who does? Mm. Like, yeah, you are the persecuted one here when we're the ones actively fighting for our rights to exist in, like, the state of Florida, in the state of Texas, like... And this is not an exaggeration, want to get rid of trans people. They want to exterminate trans people by whatever means they can, whether it be they go into hiding and never come out of the closet or they end themselves. They don't care. They don't want trans people to exist in that state or if they leave or if people leave the state of Florida because they're trans. They, they don't care by what means, but they don't want us there. Hmm. So like, you cannot compare these experiences and it, it's an absolute slap in the face for anybody that says like who is not part of an actual like oppressed group of people who is in fact the majority in the country still for now um to say yeah well but you're you're not letting me call you a slur so i'm persecuted yeah like, it, no. it's like society's <laughs> like hey um, we've noticed that you've got this like giant stick and you've been hitting people with this stick for like a long time. We're going to remove that stick. And they're like, how dare you take away my stick? I was, right. I loved hitting people with like, I'm persecuted. No, you're not persecuted. Society's taking away the big stick you've been whacking everyone with. Like, um, yeah. Um, did you, uh, did you, I'm just trying to think of where to, um, of which, oh, that's right. That's what I wanted to ask you. So one of my, um, discord, um, one of my discord friends, um, they're like a philosophy, um, mm. uh, major 
uh, and they're probably going to go on to do some other stuff as well. They're, they're, every time I have like deep questions, especially about morality, I'll like call them up um, and talk to them about them. So they have this question, and so I know it's a good faith question, uh, yeah. but I think it could be like a good place to kind of explore more of the more yeah. of topic. So what is gender? And how does yeah. it differentiate from sex? Yeah, so this is uh, definitely an interesting conversation. And I'm going to add a third term in here. So we'll talk about sex, we'll talk about gender, and we'll talk about gender identity, because there's slightly different things. Um, so sex, and I disagree with a lot of the uh, gender criticals or the transphobes out there about what sex means. Um, a lot of people will oh, say that sex okay. is... Yeah. I just, I just want to interrupt. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and push back a little bit um, okay. through this conversation, not okay. because I disagree with you, but because I want to, I want to see, I want to push the buttons to see what kind of falls out, what we can kind of, I'm, I'm with yeah. you in this conversation. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, don't. Take, yeah. And because you, people face this discussion yeah. and, and how yeah. to approach this kind of discussion in public. So yeah. um, with sex, the way I see it is it is a combination of biological factors. So uh, while a lot of people might rely on one keystone biological factor, I disagree with that because it is the combination that produces the result and one factor in itself does not produce uh, the result. So uh, people might say it's external anatomy, but the problem there is that some people can have external anatomy that does not align with internal anatomy. So like the penis or the vagina is a separate entity from the testes and the ovaries uh, and the uterus and the prostate and all that, they they come from different chemical pathways that trigger those. So mm -hmm. um, you can have somebody with uh, both male and female external anatomy or both male and female internal anatomy or uh, somebody who has male external anatomy and female internal anatomy, like they might have a penis uh, and a uterus. So I, I differentiate those two aspects of anatomy there's also hormonal sex, which is the hormones that you produce, whether it's testosterone dominant or estrogen dominant. And then your uh, genetics, which would be either XX, XY, XXY, XYY, any of those combinations, uh, usually related to the SRY gene, uh, which can translocate. Um, so it, SRY is the testis determining factor which causes the testis to develop, which usually in a in someone who has all of their sexual characteristics congruent, um, SRY would make a biological male. But sometimes that SRY gene translocates to the X chromosome. So you can have somebody who is XX that presents with a completely male anatomy and hormone presentation. So... It's that's why since there's so much variability, this is why I I determine it uh, to be a combination of factors, which mm -hmm. then also accounts for the the spectrum of sex. Yeah. Um, so like um, yeah. Uh, what's that term? Um, I always forget what it is. It's like people who are born with like they're not. They're not like there's like a bunch of characteristics that make up like male or female, and then there's someone mm. there's like intersex, intersex. Intersex. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So is is am I correct? Am I correct in assuming that like 
I've heard that there are like 16 characteristics. This is old though. This mm. is old news, so it might be wrong. But 16 characteristics that make up biological male or biological female in human adults, like roughly, well, probably not roughly, but let's just say 16 because I forgot the maybe forgot the real number, but it's close. 16. It's close. Okay. And um, and that's like you know hormones, um, you know XY chromosomes, like genitals, internal genitals, things like that. Um, and there are someone for someone to be intersex means that one of those things doesn't align. And yep. if you to use that category, use that category categorization there are more people who are intersex than people who have red hair so it's like yeah. a, it's like a now given you wouldn't be able to tell for the majority mm -hmm. of intersex people so it's not like there are like people with two different uh genitals and stuff running around um more than redhead people but along this um grouping of um of things like by definition they would be intersex is that right yeah so people okay. with Kleinfelter, uh for example who are XXY chromosomes. So they are both XX and XY. They typically present as phenotypic males. So their external anatomy is all male. Their internal anatomy is all male. The difference is they. a lot of people with Kleinfelter do not know they have Kleinfelter until puberty or until they get a fertility test because uh, many of them are, are not fertile. So... Like you can go almost your entire life without knowing you have something like this and it just pops up incidentally. So that's why I say it's a combination. Um, and that's where I would disagree with with a lot of people that say that like people say that there's a keystone factor that determines like they might say SRY is the key factor that makes you male or female. Well, no, but because you can have SRY and still be uh, have some anatomical difference that makes you testosterone dominant or estrogen dominant when you wouldn't be otherwise there's a whole lot of factors that play into this so i'm not willing to give them one factor it's multifactorial as is most most uh everything that happens to to a human body is there's almost never one factor that determines an outcome it's multiple factors so that's why yeah. i think instead of saying that there's one primary factor that we give credit to all of the factors that contribute. So, so that's, yeah, right. I don't know if you have any more questions or thoughts on that particular. Definition. No, no. So, so yeah, so I understand biological sex. Um, and then I'm sure we're going to go in now into gender, but mm -hmm. I, I guess a question on a first question I have about that is, um, is, is sex is biological sex usually connected to gender? or not for the majority of people yes okay okay so what is gender <laughs> so gender is the uh societal it's the way that you interact with society uh according to a certain gender identity so we'll get into gender identity in a little bit but it's this is gender is where you get the the roles the stereotypes the social norms um and this can change depending on society so um you'll know like in biblical times people men and women wore things that look like dresses um they all a lot of them wore similar things and so it's while a dress today might seem taboo for a man to wear in other cultures that might be deemed to be masculine so it is more nebulous and it is more flexible based on culture but that's the whole point it's it's We've moved from sex, which is biology. This is now sociology. 
So it is how you engage with the society around you according to um, your your gender identity. So okay. do you have any questions on that? Because I, I know it's more nebulous. Um, well, I guess my, and this is might, might be a big one, so we might, might save it, but do you think like, so you're you're obviously trans so but do you mm. think if you grew up and this isn't this is a whack hypothetical but this is what we do on deep drinks maybe pour yourself yeah. another drink um okay. <laughs> um <laughs> uh if you grew up in a vacuum meaning you mm. had no outside influence like you were just this in this perfectly white room like the matrix or something right um do you think you would have gender dysphoria or did you have gender dysphoria or do you think you'd be trans or, or do you think you could just express yourself however yeah, you... I don't. I don't know, and that's uh, interesting because I. I think I still would. I would have my my preferences and my expression, mm -hmm. but I don't think it would be as tied to gender because I, there would be a concept of gender. If there's no concept of gender, uh, I would just express myself in the way that I want to, and I mm -hmm. maybe say, "Yeah, these pronouns sound like something that I like the word of, or this outfit is something that I like, or this." This is how I want my hair to look. This is the name that I like. And it, I might end up the same kind of person, but the it, it might also be different because the way that I present myself right now is with the fact that I grew up in American society in yeah, yeah. Uh, like the late 90s and, and 2000s. And so my engagement with society is rooted partially in the culture that i grew up in and that's that's part of any sociological concept right so so would you how do you feel about gen this is sorry this is all we're going to come back to gender but yeah this is tangential mm -hmm. how do you feel about gender abolitionists or people who just think you know we should just remove the idea of gender men can wear dresses women can yeah i don't know so it's an interesting thing to think about because um i think it w it would work in a society that already doesn't have uh thoughts about gender uh, culturally cuz i i really don't see a problem with just taking away gender at all and just you being you like i i think that's great um in yeah, terms of gender, like you know yeah yeah but then in terms of expression like, because gender expression is separate from your gender identity. So you can have any gender identity and still express yourself in a completely different way that's not congruent with your gender identity. So I think it would be difficult to implement something like that in a society that has already established cultural norms surrounding gender. But if you if you took a society of people who all agreed to uh abandon cultural gender norms like i wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to that honestly like i i i think that'd be fine it could be fun it could be like a fun um a fun society um right okay so i don't have any other questions on that tangent 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 um do you want to circle back to what you're talking about with gender and gender identity. Yeah, so so gender and gender identity are different in that, so if we divide them all up by field, so we had sex is biology, gender is sociology, and gender identity is psychology. So this is um, how you 
view yourself. This is your uh, your your self awareness, your self actualization, just uh, your your view of of yourself. And this is where it gets very very nebulous because everybody's self is different, and it's very difficult to define the self. And and psychologists have been trying to do this as long as psychology has been a thing and even as long as philosophy has been a thing people have been trying to to define the self what is the self and like something that at least with utility to society cuz in terms of like if i were just to mentally masturbate on what is myself i could be here for eternity without having an answer and some people mm. love to think about that i i don't i like utility so viewing this from a uh from a perspective of utility, my perception of myself is that uh, I see myself as masculine. I see myself as a man. And that, for me, is going to align with uh, wanting to be seen in society as a man. So this is where gender identity ties back in to gender. So my sense of self wants to be seen as that self by other people in the community so in doing that what uh like let's take two equal things like and this is actually how one tool that i used to to decide uh what my own gender was uh i like vikings vikings are cool a lot of people like vikings let's so i took example of two vikings one had the body of a man the other had a body of a woman, and you cannot argue at all that one Viking is more strong than the other one. They're equal in their strength, in their capabilities. All that's the same. Yeah. The only difference is what they look like and how they interact with society. One's a he, him. One's a she, her. One abides by some more masculine norms. One abides by by feminine norms, and those can even be flexible. But for me, it was like, if I could have the choice between these two people, these two almost identical people, I pick the one in the male body mm. every time. Yeah, that's how I see myself, and somebody else might see them in in the female body, and yeah. and so it's the the biology that I have does not align with the biology that my psychological <laughs> self sees, which which yeah. causes a disconnect. So it's while it's very difficult to define what a psychological gender identity is you can pretty easily think about it in terms of examples in the real world of like an even even for an example like this is something taking something that is more stereotypically feminine like there are certain things in my life that are feminine that i i enjoy doing um yeah like i was a cheerleader in in high school when i presented as a woman and I, I enjoyed it. It was a great sport. It's fun. I liked performing. I liked dancing. But I always wanted to be a male cheerleader. They do <laughs> kind of the same thing. Like, they're both yeah. cheerleaders. They're both doing something very feminine with regard to society. So expression is 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 kind of irrelevant there. Yeah. But one's a man, one's a woman. Which one do I want to be doing the same exact thing? I want to be the man. Okay. I think it's solidified for me where I fall on this. And... And I guess like everyone in the audience, if you want to think about two identical scenarios, 
and yeah. which one you'd choose. Maybe it tells you a little bit more about yourself. But I know there's a little bit well, of a rant, but I no great rant. And um, we always love a good rant here. Usually it's me though. Um, but the so I appreciate it. But something that stood out to me is um, something that I remembered. Sorry, was when I was younger. I used to play Skyrim. I still play video games all the time. But I used to play Skyrim, which is an Elder Scrolls game. And my younger brother, he used to always choose. Well, he didn't always, but he would sometimes choose to play as a lady. Like he'd build a lady character and, and play it and I'd watch him. And I'd always be like, why? Like, this is so confusing. Like, it, it made me angry. I was like, I, do, I don't understand why. Um, but for him, he's not trans or anything. But for him, um, he was playing, he was watching, it, it appeared as if he was watching someone else's story. Like he was watching, he yeah. was playing, like he was watching a female play a game right where for me when i played skyrim i was that character like i i made yeah. choices that in that game I, I never joined the dark brotherhood i was always like the good knight in the game you know like i always did certain things um and so i couldn't relate to my brother choosing like the girl because he because i was like but how do you relate because we're, we're viewing the game differently but it's just interesting that um that uh well i've learned to, to since be able to play as a girl character i'm not <laughs> i'm not weird but but um i am weird but but i've but at the time it, it's funny because like it felt really funny to me to put myself into the position of a gender that wasn't that i didn't align with and to pretend that i was another gender that didn't feel i didn't feel like it, it just felt like i would rather just be the other i'd rather just be the male gender um and i'm sure for you yeah. like i don't know if you ever played video games but like this you... is a great story actually okay. because this was pre-transition me like back in in high school into college where like i would play these mmorpgs and there were <laughs> yeah. times when i learned i learned like as a kid that uh people on the internet don't they don't know what you look like they don't know who you are you're in a chat bar on the side they don't know yeah so i said okay i can play with my identity <laughs> in this space where nobody knows any different. And so I would play as male characters and I would engage in chats saying I was a guy. Nobody questioned anything. And then I would leave the game and say, if only that could be real life. Aww. And for some reason, I never grasped that I was trans. Like it never clicked for me that like maybe that was who I was and that I was only had the safe space in the video game to be who I was. And then, cause wow. I had times where I would play as a female character because I felt I was obligated to, I didn't want yeah. to, I felt like I was obligated yeah. to. And so gender dysphoria, like displays, like as you, you saw there, like with you in the video game character, that's gender dysphoria. Like you experienced that. Really? I didn't, I never considered like considered that. I, I, I that that feels almost like um it feels almost like offensive to people like people who actually yeah. go through like horrible well like, no it it's it's accurate you you in trying to experience uh another gender that wasn't you and feeling yeah. uncomfortable with representing yourself as that gender that's dis, that's dysphoria and that's valid and and like part of hmm. our argument here too like in in inclusion of trans people is acknowledging that cis people, if if I were to take a cis person and reassign them or have them go through conversion therapy, they would probably get gender dysphoria. The majority of them would. Just so, like that twin that twin study. 
you know, yeah, uh, exactly. unfortunately, you know, I, I know that both of those twins died and I think the one of them died of suicide. I think the transitioned one, which was horrible. It's a, it's just, I, I just wish society, this is going to sound a bit hippie, but I, I just wish the society would just like, we could just like, I don't know, it, just accept people for, I guess, who they are. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's, um, there's an analogy that, again, crediting Katie Montgomery because she has been in this debate space I, a lot longer than I have. I love but, Katie, by the way. I don't, I haven't like she's watched great. a whole lot of her stuff, but every time I do see her, I'm like, she's a badass. I, yeah. Yeah. There's this one analogy that she gives that is really solid and it's, trying to to help cis people understand what gender dysphoria feels like to a trans person especially a trans person who doesn't know that they're trans um because many of us go years without even batting an eye at, at the fact that we might be trans but imagine you have two people uh next to each other and they're both on like some some wheel or they're on a wall or like imagine like a medieval torture device where they're one person is strapped right side up and the person next to them is strapped upside down. And that's, but they've always been like that. They don't know anything different than the way that they've been like from birth, they've been in this position and the person that's upside down says, you know, I think something's not right. And I don't know what it is, but something's not right here. And the person next to them who's right side up says, no, I don't see a problem. Like this is fine. Well, like, of course you think it's fine because you're in the right position and you have been the whole time. But to somebody who's upside down and they don't know they're upside down, like, it's hard to communicate what exactly is Mm. wrong if you've never experienced anything beyond that. But, Mm. like, for that person, it's upside down. And that's the same way for trans people. Like, for us, we feel upside down and we can't always articulate why we feel upside down. But it's not helpful for someone who's not upside down to tell us, no, you're fine, just deal with it. Mm. because you might be in the right position but we aren't and Mm. like it would just be simpler to instead of telling us to deal with the where we're at like come over and flip us the right way and then surprise we feel better you flip us over to to where our head is facing upward and and suddenly suddenly i don't feel bad anymore Mm. That's that's the uh, another thing that they mentioned in the documentary, but they like made it sound worse than it was. Like people people who transition um, have a um, they have a higher rate of suicide than the typical cis people. But yeah, like, the suicidality, is, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I can't imagine um, what it would be like. But the typical cis person, um, no, but typical, but the, sorry. They have a much, they have that not a much, they have a higher rate of like depression and suicide, but it's way further down than, than pre transition, um, which is yeah. the point. Yeah. That's why, you know, it, uh, it's healthcare. Um, you, you actually, this is, this is something that is a little interesting. And if we don't, if you don't want to go into it, um, no, we're good. I'm just, done. I'm, I'm making right, another, cool. another drink. So yeah, I, my awesome. inhibitions are, are lessened <laughs> even more so now. Yeah. I should have got you to sign a consent form before you're sober. Um, so there's, uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so you first, um, uh, had feelings that you were gay. 
Ryan? Yeah, can I clarify real quick before we get into the, the intense discussion? I got Doorknob hit in the side chat saying old fashioned from a bottle of blasphemy. It's not. This is whiskey. <laughs> this is straight whiskey. And this is and we're making Manhattans, and this is vermouth. So they're in bottles, but they're they went into a shot glass and then are going into the glass. So okay, there we go. Side brand over. Uh and uh and and uh, I see your question. We'll ask it at the end, um, for sure, because it's a great question. Um, so yeah, you originally you originally started, and you thought um, you were gay, right? But now, like, you're a man, so it's like, are you straight? Is that like how? Like, are you still like are you, you're attracted to, to ladies, right? Is that? I'm bi. I'm bi. Oh, so you're yeah. bi. Oh, you see. Well, I wasn't well, always yeah, but... bi. It's funny because for me, um, I was only attracted to women until I started testosterone, and now I'm attracted to men. So it's funny that people will say that gay people are a result of hormone imbalance and that uh, <laughs> I just wasn't into men because of whatever. Like, well, actually, the more masculine I've become, the more attracted to men I've become. So I've just been destined to be gay this whole time i don't know like no matter what side i'm on i'm gay <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i've often said like uh, I'm bisexual you get the best of both worlds you can check out everybody in this in the shopping center which is yeah, which yeah. Would be fun. <laughs> uh, so have you noticed like i i've got no filter so if you don't want to answer any of these just let me just say okay let's not, i'm not gonna answer that but have you noticed since taking testosterone um have you gotten more i have no idea how it affects like your sexual drive has your sexual drive increased because oh yeah testosterone oh, okay yeah. true it's weird. true interesting so <laughs> is it the is it the opposite for like hormone uh for um i've heard HRT? i've heard for some people for some people yeah um interesting. i think not for everybody but for some people it it, it does reduce their libido and, and it's interesting because the it changes the orgasm too a little bit, which this is deeply personal. Um, but so what I've noticed with uh, before testosterone, it's a lot slower and less powerful of like an orgasm of an orgasm. Yeah. Uh, then when I started T, it's a lot faster and like more <laughs> immediately powerful. Hey, so, I, like, I like that. I'm gonna start yeah. <laughs> just for the orgasm. That's great. Yeah. Um, wow, that's that's um, it it's it's super. It must be, it must be like beyond all the you know, um, you know, trying to get back to or trying to get to the state where you feel most comfortable in your body and stuff. Um, yeah. Beyond all that you know, the, the back kind of the, the, the baggage, the high, emotional highs and lows, it must be missing all that out. Like it must be weird to be taking certain medications that affect your biology or your, um, your affect yourself so much. Like, does it, is it like I've, I've had experience, I'm on antidepressants, um, mm -hmm. that affects me a little bit, but I don't can't imagine um all in good ways by the way except for a dry mouth for the first two weeks but i can't imagine what it's like to take something that does it affect you so much like does it oh it's like... great yeah my, okay. uh, well everyone should just take tea <laughs> well no but i mean for me no. like my confidence like even the a lot of the physiological effects don't take place for weeks to months to years 
on T. Um, but even within the first week, my confidence level improved dramatically. Wow. And it was the sense that like I now have some physiology that aligns with my psychology. And that's really all it was. Mm. And it, it's powerful. And I think that like, and I'm not telling people to experiment with hormone therapy, like, cause it, it can do some, like if you go on it and you don't want to go on it, it can give you yeah. dysphoria. So oh, like, don't course. just try yeah. it, but yeah, but you can tell like some people and I don't know why, and there's no good science on why. And I don't even necessarily think we need the science for why, uh, because I think it would further limit people if we just went into like, why are you trans? But the fact is that some people, some people's psychology works better with an estrogen dominant body and some people's brains and their psychology work better with a testosterone dominant body. And, and I, I don't think we necessarily need to investigate why, but the fact is I feel better. And I yeah. know people who are trans women who feel way better on estrogen and I will never understand them. I will absolutely never understand people who want more estrogen in their body because I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. But that's, that's instead of me saying that this doesn't work for me, so you can't have it and your identity is not valid. I think for me, it further clarifies the fact that I'm in the right place for me and that they're in the right place for them. Like, it's not that estrogen is a terrible thing to have. Some people really enjoy it. Some people do well mm -hmm. on it. I'm not one of those people. But mm -hmm. if Katie Montgomery, if Phoebe, if Arden, if, if they benefit from estrogen, I'm happy for them. I'm very happy mm -hmm. that they have something that like that estrogen isn't going to waste, that somebody benefits from the hormone that that made me want to die every day. I'm happy that somebody benefits from it. And and that should, should um, be the approach. In that the future, I think there should be people... like a swap. There should be a, like a swap program where you just like yeah, yeah I wish. Yeah. <laughs> but like if 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 the cis community could jump on this and and instead of taking somebody else's experience and using that to hate them, mm. like you can use that experience to further validate yourself and say, yeah, I'm not this person, but that's okay. Mm. They're a good person. I'm a good person. I'm happy with who I am. I like where I'm at. And I'm also happy that they're happy with where they're at. Like, you don't have to hate somebody to make yourself feel better. Like, in mm. fact, I felt the most joy from supporting other people in finding out who they are. I felt so happy doing that with them and going on these transition journeys with my friends who might have mm. different transitions from me. So I wonder too, like, and I'm not saying that this is true for everybody uh, who are transphobes, but like, if you need to take someone else's experience and hate on them in order to validate your own experience, I'm not convinced that you're happy with your own experience. Mm. Like, what do you need to change to be happy with yourself and maybe work on that? instead of hating on somebody else in and, and there and i'm not saying that like 
you need to just like buy into whatever somebody's ideas are because like if someone's happy and anti-vax like that's something that they shouldn't be but that's also not based in that case. we're talking <laughs> they about should very, they should go have a long hard look at themselves yeah yeah but but for trans people or we know that the evidence is in their favor we the data's mm. in we know trans yeah. people exist we know that that transitioning helps people mm. like instead of taking valid medicine and hating on somebody for receiving care for for their own uh well-being like you can focus on your own and and maybe you'll be happier maybe everybody will be happier and i don't know people can be less assholes <laughs> around each other and that maybe we'd all be better yeah i love um this is what i love about you ben is because you you seem to be able to wrestle with these these um talking points i said this to um to shannon q when she was on um she i i mentioned that i get worried that that there are you know you get nine bad faith questions that's like mm -hmm. something right i don't know like like what's a what's a stupid question you hear that's bad faith all the time like um um i don't know something right but were you there <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah something like that yeah yeah something like that but like with, with in regards to transgenderism um or transgender um mm -hmm. and they have um and then you have one person who's actually heard these talking points from bad faith actors who is who is genuinely asking the question this question yeah. that seems bad faith but isn't um and then they get yelled at or not yelled at but they get like attacked mm -hmm. because it's not the trans um gender person's responsibility to defend themselves wherever they go but they're like, you know, it's just like fuck off, essentially. Um, and then, as a result, they turn around, and the alt right is there with open arms, saying, "We told you, those those green haired mm -hmm. um, feminist um, transgender people, like they're all, you know, come here. We told you that they're crazy." And the and the alt right is there with open arms. And I think a lot of what you're seeing, uh, a lot of the hate that you're seeing, is people um, being triggered by clips uh like online clips of like lefties and it's the same thing f for you yeah. know like i i said alt right uh, i'm that's that's me projecting my how i'm a little triggered at the dumb racist alt right people but i'm sure there are, i'm sure there are some people on the right mm. who are good people <laughs> so a bit of a joke but i'm sure there are some people you know i think that if you set everyone down in a room and they were talking about things like a lot of people would be more agreement than less agreement but i think everyone is just reacting to each other and as a result that's where you, this hate comes from it's like misdirection yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of the time not all the time but a lot of the time i would say um i hope i hope that makes sense um yeah yeah no i'm, I'm gathering where you're coming from and, and this is why we have shows like the transatlantic Colin show and yeah. because we get the majority of people that call into that show are are in good faith and I will always assume that you are in good faith until you prove me wrong. Um, there are certain things that will, that will prove me wrong in that um, certain dog whistles, certain dishonest arguments where people, you can tell people are trying to make you angry or yeah. people are just trying to argue with you. Um, but for the most part, I assume people are just trying to learn. And so I'll mm. try to approach it very gently from the beginning. And I understand that people don't know all the the new information. People don't know these arguments. They're they're seeing them for the first time and they don't know how to engage with it. So my usual approach 
and and even for people who might ask more invasive questions um typically most questions i'm fine answering depending on the the setting if i'm on a show that is platforming um like you can ask trans people questions absolutely if i'm on a show that is advertising this is the the topic feel free uh ask yeah. ask your questions don't feel bad about it um like be tactful in terms of like maybe don't go to my dms and dm me very specific <laughs> questions maybe don't walk up to me on the street and ask me very specific questions because I, yeah. I have boundaries for where I, I answer certain questions but for the most part even if somebody oversteps a boundary that wasn't clearly communicated to them before I'm just going to I'm going to assume that they just didn't know and my usual approach is hey I'm okay answering this question for you but maybe in the future um, some other people might be offended by this question. So uh, I would recommend that you ask for consent first or that you direct the, your question to this platform or or something. Like I, I try to be gentle in recommending, like number one, a good source of information that it will be happy to answer the question. And then also clarifying that, hey, this question might not be appropriate for everybody. So just be careful that because somebody else might not want to talk about um, something more personal or their coming out story. Not not everybody wants to to mention that. So and and I don't think that everyone is that is asking for these questions means them harm. But just yeah, just trying to to clarify like I know you mean well. I know you just want information. I'm happy to talk to. Here's some other names of people that might be also be happy to answer. Here's the email address or link where you can send your questions. Uh, and then if you want to know more, just be careful in entering conversations with other people. This is how it might be read. And and hopefully it's just a, a learning experience from there. So um, I know, yeah, it, it's some people might be taken aback by any kind of feedback i know some people are are very sensitive to, to feedback but i don't mean it in in a harsh way at all and i hope that it, it doesn't come across that way um unless of course if you if i can tell you are using a dishonest argument to make me angry then like like you had said if, if someone starts being dishonest with you all bets are off like we're gonna yeah, yeah. start Maybe we're gonna throw down yeah and usually that's on live call-in shows where i see that or it's on twitter <laughs> So those platforms, oh, those platforms, yeah, no, all bets are off. But, but for for um, the most part, people have been good about it, and and I'm not going to slam somebody into the ground when they just wanted clarification. I don't think that that's the right move for anybody. I think if any trans person or what they have full right to say that they don't want to answer a question. And I fully respect their boundaries, but that's a case where on a day where I don't want to answer a question, I would probably just say, Hey, I'm not in it's, a good space to answer this. I, I don't really want to do this on this platform. Here's where you can direct your question to, but I can't imagine like, like, you know, every second day someone's asking about like my genitals or like something like it, I can't even fathom me like, the, <laughs> or like. I just can't, I can't fathom 
like having my kind of existence questioned that much, um, like all the time, um, like my identity, it, it must be tiring. And that's why it's good that you put up like boundaries. Like I'm not going to talk about this to some random person on my DMS or to, you know, um, down the street or something. Um, but I did want to ask you, did you have, have you had a moment, um, where you just felt like baller in your own body where like, maybe you went to the beach, you took your shirt off and you were just like, yes. Or like, maybe, I don't know, like, or like you, like you just felt like, yes, I am in the body that I want to be in. Or are you still working your way there? Or like what, you know, have you, are you looking forward to that experience? Like what, where yeah, are you I'm, at? I'm working my way slowly, but surely, but, um, my muscle mass has increased dramatically since I started, and a lot of it has been passive. Um, but something that was big for me is that there's a lot of rhetoric, especially around trans people in sports, which that's a whole separate topic. Mm. But um, a lot of the rhetoric behind trans men is that anyone assigned female will never be able to match somebody who is born male. That's the rhetoric. And it's inherently misogynistic because... That's not true. There's overlap with anybody. There are women mm. that will beat men at whatever sport. That's it's true. People are individuals. And um so I training Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I started in 2016. So I was presenting female, um uh, totally like pre-transition, didn't even know I was trans. Uh competed in women's divisions and recently i started training again in jiu-jitsu with which i mean a lot of my time off has been related to med school and not necessarily to the fact that i'm trans but i went back recently and at this new gym nobody knows that i'm trans nobody so it's been great to just be like hey i'm entering this nobody's misogynistic to me it's just they see me as a dude with experience that's it and i get on the mat with somebody probably double my size uh for for some first first to score points and it was is great like i'm i didn't wreck him by any means we we're the same skill level but with a size difference like i held my own with this guy on the mat like and he's double my size and that's that's a trend you see in, in all of jiu-jitsu where the smaller you are, generally uh, it takes longer to learn because you're constantly up against big people that just smash you for no reason. But you, your technique gets solid because you're constantly against people that are bigger than you, stronger than you, better than you, that, that you learn how to do it well. And so nobody knew that I had only competed in female divisions. Nobody and nobody cared, but I held my own against this guy double my size because my technique was there and my strategy mm. was there and my physicality was there. Like I, I was doing it. So mm. that was something that was very affirming to me that like my past doesn't define who I am. Like I can do things just as well as, as any other man can. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that's my best example so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I don't know, like, I haven't looked too much into the um, the trans sports issue, to be honest, mainly because I don't care about sports um, myself. But um, 
uh one thing that i did remember i used to i used to make video games i used to love making video games um i had a youtube channel when i made video games um uh and i'll teach people how to make video games and one thing that i learned from a talk was it was essentially that sports are stupid because they're, they're based on genetics at the highest levels right like i'll never there's yeah. no way i'll ever be a pro basketball player i'm just not tall enough I, I, there's nothing I could do to fix that. There's nothing I could do to change that. It's only, like mm. at the top level, my genetics cap me. And the same with yeah. like, you know, I can never be a rock climber. I'm short, you know, like I don't have a good reach. I'm short and I'm heavy, you know? So, uh, I mean, the heaviness I could change, but the low reach I couldn't change. So when it comes to like the top fields of sports, like it's, it's kind of like this masturbatory genetics game anyway. It's like, yeah what's the best you know like get, it's 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 almost like you know finding people with that can reach that 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 upper uh, potential the olympic potential and then giving them the correct training so it's like to me it's it's all a bit of a masturbatory like taking it too yeah, seriously and and the um you have some financial advantage in there too because if you have somebody who can spend their entire day training their sport instead of having to work a, a job yeah, that adds more to it, yeah. and like there's so many variables to what makes yeah. a, a good athlete in whatever yeah. sport. That it's not, it's never going to be fair. It never was yeah. fair. So yeah. to claim that like you needed it to be fair for everybody across the board, no, you didn't. Yeah. So it's 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 an it's a fallacious argument from the get go. It's uh, with it's that. not the I, I, I look the, and I could be wrong about this, but it it seems as though um, you know if a man if a biological man goes through puberty, they probably have a bigger skeletal structure and muscle mass and and things like that. Uh, even if they do start taking hormones and transition, um, they might be at, at a slight advantage or something. The, the data shows that it's because it's based on fat free lean mass. Okay. Uh, is what the studies are showing. And and so if you took people of the same height and weight um, and, and muscle mass, like they're going to perform equally. So like the biggest issue uh, is people, yeah, people get freaked out. People get freaked out about, well, well, but we can't have Brock Lesnar in the ring, <laughs> in ring with, with like... uh, Misha Tate. Well, they're two different, completely different body sizes. <laughs> they would never be in the same weight class. But yeah. take wrestling or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, or boxing or whatever. Um, you take a, a cis woman who's 135 pounds and you take a cis man at 135 pounds, which is small for, for a lot of cis men. But the point is when you normalize for size, that's, yeah, a, fair, like, that's a fair match. So... So what I, is what you're saying is if we had better ways or like if we measured things more precisely and put people together based on muscle mass, it would be a fairer. Well, it's it's sport dependent. Like if, yeah. if you can take the data that says these factors uh, make for different skill in the sport, then maybe you yeah. make categories based on that characteristic. Like um, even if you just made it skill categories or or size categories height categories it's going to mm. be more localized than that and, and sure you might have more cis women on the lower weight class spectrum but that's fine like and we see this in jiu-jitsu children in jiu-jitsu compete co-ed like it's what not is... until they hit puberty puberty is when they start gendering jiu-jitsu oh okay so, yeah so yeah so 
so for, if you say that, that make that makes a lot of sense. But I guess my point is mm. that is arbitrary, and so is all the other categories in sport. It's it's essentially yeah. not not categories. I just I just what I don't like about sports is this masquerading of like this person put in the work and they like they you know and they train so okay sure of course you did like it's it's like it's like somebody takes steroids and then gets huge it's like yeah. of course like when you're on steroids you you train harder than you've ever trained in your life i'm sure it's like one of the most brutal things that you ever put your body through but you still got that big because of the steroids the steroids still played a major part in that whole yeah. endeavor so it's like your genetics play a huge part in the upper levels of like your your upbringing where you grow up your genetics like it's all i wish but, but once again and I'm rambling a little bit, sorry. Um, once again, it's similar to what you were saying before about how um, people want to take like a simplistic approach to gender. And yeah. I think people do the same thing with sports. It's just like, mm -hmm. you know, men should be with men and women should be with women. It's like, you know, like... But why? What's your yeah, reason? Yeah, exactly. It's it's it like, to me, to me, it's just arbitrary. Um, and that's, to me, I, I've been quoted in saying my, my greatest fear in life is that my children will be into sports. Um, and um, that's a mm. bit of a joke, but but yeah, I'm I'm not a huge sports person, obviously. Um, but um, I do enjoy kicking a ball around or something, you know. But well, and something like along this, like with, with trans men, um, like it's this belief that women or anyone assigned female is inherently worse. Mm. And I've seen this argument before: is that trans men will never beat cis men because they're physiologically inferior, which a lot of these arguments fail to address like sure there is the genetic difference in elite athletes versus a casual athlete like there there mm. are genetics that come into play whether you are a man a woman whatever like again i i dare any cis man uh that is not an olympian to get in the pool with katie ledecky and try to beat her time like good luck like you being a man is not going to make you beat katie ledecky in swimming so her just, being yeah. a woman is not what is inferior about her mm. uh so it, it's an argument meant to suppress people mm. that they deem to be female and and they're eliminating the factors of training and strategy and timing and preparation and all that which which play into your performance like if you take two athletes of whatever variety and they're both equal skill level, equal size, equal strength. Everything else is equal, but one person had a bad day and one person had a good day. The person with a good day is probably going to win. And it's not because <laughs> of some physiological advantage, but somebody had a good day. Their timing was good. Like but there's a reason why you don't do one fight and then say, I'm forever better than you. You have to yeah. fight multiple times because your first fight might not be indicative of every other fight after that. And like people don't, seem to process that there is no inherent better there is yeah this time or other times and, and there are multiple multiple factors that play into somebody's winning of a, a tournament so yeah i agree I, it, that makes sense but so would you agree though i and i'm, I'm i don't know i'm not making any affirmative mm. statements here i'm just asking it is so would you say though, like if we match for muscle mass, that's mm. all good. But mm. for men, for biological men to get up to that muscle mass 
is much easier than for a biological yeah. female. Would that be accurate? Yeah, but but then okay. you apply that rhetoric to sports that are not related to the muscle mass necessarily. So like people could say, well, for weightlifting, this is an advantage. And yeah, like I agree, testosterone does give you some advantage for for lean muscle mass. Mm-hmm. But then to say you are superior in this one aspect of physiology, therefore skeet shooting should be gendered because of muscle mass. You can't extrapolate those two points. And and other things, people completely disregard other physiological advantages. Like people see muscle mass as being a strength, which it is. But disregard anything that could be viewed as feminine from being an advantage. So things like flexibility or agility, or even there are studies showing that women or like cis women and people assigned female have advantages in endurance sports, largely due to their fat mass, because uh, we know that endurance sports rely on the citric acid cycle and beta oxidation of lipids. So people that are able to concentrate lipids, uh, that are available for metabolism by muscle and the larger concentration of type two muscle fibers are going to have advantage in endurance sports. So cis women are actually at an advantage in endurance sports and in things like gymnastics in things with, with some more agility and flexibility, but those aren't seen as strengths for whatever reason. And I think it's, it's misogyny. It's people view flexibility as feminine. And so it's not desirable. So I don't, I don't know this, but is, so is the best, so are the best gymnasts in the world, are they female or, and the best, um, endurance athletes? Or well, I can't there... say that the best, like in, in general, but there is, is there like a trend. There's is, an advantage. There is, oh, there, wow. there are studies done for, uh, endurance athletes and, uh, women versus men and specifically related to, to fat mass. And that is that is what we're seeing. And I can't say for sure that this is a, a causal thing, because um, because mm. the research is still being done. But that's that's what we're seeing. So it's and, and something that saying that one body type is ideal for every sport is fallacious because it's not true. There mm. are sports that that favor different body types, and so that's where like the the trans people in sports conversation needs to be had at a sport level uh with regard to their policies so it's interesting i'm not saying that there needs to be a standardized everything and and again and that also needs to happen at the elite level versus like school level uh if you have children like if your 10 year old kid is on a co-ed soccer team like why do we need to stop trans people from playing fifth grade soccer it's that's a bit ridiculous to like just let the kids play at the elite level it should be a sport by sport basis on what is acceptable but you also have to again consider that cis people might fall outside of that bracket so if let's say if you set a requirement your estrogen levels or your testosterone levels must be within these parameters you have to then disqualify cis women whose testosterone falls outside of that range and we're seeing that with Olympic athletes, even we're seeing people that are, are want uh, people are wanting to have disqualified for high T levels in cis women. 
So where are you willing to draw the line? <laughs> if you're going to have these yeah. definite uh, boundaries, where's the line drawn and who are you excluding? Because you're going to exclude people. That's interesting. So it's like, yeah. So it's like you're going to exclude people regardless. So it's like, it, it almost gets like philosophical. Like, who do you do, like? Why did you choose to exclude this group, not this group? Like, do we want an equal society? Do we want a non-equal society? Do we want to produce? It, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation. Um, it, it'd be interesting to look more into this and to have another conversation about it because um, yeah. obviously I'm. I just my my go to is sports is stupid. Don't take it so seriously, but that's wrong because sports aren't stupid. But obviously, I'm just not a huge sport fan. Um, it's just it's just a nuanced conversation, and and yeah. we have to take this conversation to a nuanced level and not just mm. black and white men or women. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so we're actually like um, we've been talking for ages, and I love I know that we've been having fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been I've been enjoying it. Um, but um, we could go for hours more because I got so many other questions. But I want to. Yeah. I think maybe what we'll do. I don't know if you'll you'll come back on, but if you this do, is, I yeah. I will be happy to come back on. Like if this <laughs> awesome. is you inviting me back on, just hit me up. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah, like we'll have to have a round two because um, yeah. there's so much other stuff we could go into, and we we just seem to. I find it interesting talking to you. It's uh, we can bounce with each other really well, but yeah. Um, I wanted to do two more things um, before we finish up. Um, I've got a list that is just, I'm going to call myth or fact, and it's about medicine um, and okay. pseudoscience. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we can jump into some questions. Yeah. Uh, so myth or fact. So what I'll do is I'm going to tell you, I'm yeah. going to say something and you just tell me if it's myth or fact, or how mythical okay. or how fact it is. A lot of these, most of these are topics from videos that I haven't had a chance to watch yet on your channel. So if people, oh, okay. uh, and this actually would be a good time to uh, mention that everyone should go subscribe to Student Dr. Ben. Um, for sure. You produced, I don't know why it's doing that. You produced some of the, some of this amazing content on like medical myths. Um, you had a really big episode on vitamin C. I thought that was. Yeah, if you go to the lives, you'll be able to see the more of those content. I Yeah, my lecture videos are a bit more intense with the science and then the medical myths is a bit more lighthearted usually in terms of the content is fentanyl but. killing our cops functional medicine the truth about cannabis featuring secular rarity um routine infant circumcision featuring nate like it's just like i love that you take these like um why did god create cancer featuring jenna oh I love Jenna. Jenna is one of my favorite people on the internet. They're all great people. Um, I, I'll have to get you on. And and since you just invited me on, on to your show live, uh, I'm happy to ex extend uh, an invite to you yeah. as well. And I'm happy to move to an Australian friendly time. I've had <laughs> one other Australian on my show before. Almost a doctor has been on before. And I woke up early for that show so i'm happy to wake up early for an australian friend oh it's show. a well it'll well, i'm sure we'll work something out um i don't mind doing it um at whatever crazy hour um but yeah i'd, I'd love to come on your show and we can talk about i'm sure we can find something that's um um tangential oh yeah to... you picked the topic let's go <laughs> <laughs> well uh i i am a huge advocate for antidepressants which is interesting because you don't hear a lot of people who mm. are like that not a huge advocate I just like to tell my story in that they worked very well for me. 
like very well for my OCD. Um, so, but you never hear that story. You always hear the horrible story. Um, anyway, yeah, I'd love to come on your show. <laughs> we can talk about, yeah. talk about stuff. Um, yeah. And coming next year, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to mention this, but I think I'm going to mention it uh, now. Um, I'm we're going we're going to be having a deep drinks panels, so Ooh. not just the podcast. So we're going to have one, hopefully about Iran. I'm talking to some journalists at the moment to talk about that. Uh, we're going to have Nuria Khan on, holy humanist, uh, and a few other people um, who are protesting the stuff that's happening in Iran and um, women's rights. So that'll be good. I want to do one on purity culture. I've got a lot of really cool um, ideas to come up and have a panel of guests on. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's cool things happening to Deep Drinks. You want to subscribe and you want to mm. go subscribe to Student Dr. Ben. But let's do myth or fact, Ben. Um, let's do it. Okay. Vitamin C. Will it help you when you have a cold? Myth. <laughs> Is that a full myth? Is that like... It's... it's um... There's some mixed data on that it might reduce symptoms, but this is a, a correlation and not really evidence of causation. Um, if you want to to consume vitamin C when you have a cold, it's probably not going to hurt you. Uh, it'll be expensive pee. It might give you kidney stones in high doses. So just watch for that. But um, it's mostly meh. Okay. Will vitamin C help you beat cancer? that's a hundred percent myth. Okay. Okay. I've actually, I used to think that uh, I used to watch like a lot of those like documentaries about the pharmaceutical industry and how natural medicine. And I got really hooked into it at one time. Um, but then I recently found out that like with some cancers, you, you don't want to boost your immune system because it actually helps the cancer cells grow because it gives them. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know how true that is either, but it's like it's like mm. a typical example of like what you're told is exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's no evidence at this time that suggests that vitamin C uh, cures cancer. So. Okay, detoxing diets. Uh, that's a myth. That's a myth. Okay, uh, you don't so, need that because your liver and your kidneys and your lungs will do that for you. You don't need a detox. Okay. All right. Yeah. I can see so many people getting angry in the comments. I'm not like not yeah. in the live comments, but I can see. Go Here's watch gluten. my channel. They can they can watch it. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of these videos are um are, are subjects in like a full hour long live episode where you go through the studies. Uh, is gluten bad for you? If you don't have celiacs, no. Okay. <laughs> Homeopathy. <laughs> Uh, absolute bunk. This is a myth. Homeopathy is a myth. There's no okay. way to justify homeopathy being valid. <laughs> what if it's magic? You don't. You you forgetting about magic, Ben? It's not. It's not. About homeopathy magic. is absolute myth. <laughs> um, is it safe to drink your pee? Now, I wasn't going to write this one it's down, but I saw safe. this. Was... It's not safe. To it's drink not. Pee. Bear Grylls says it's okay. Yeah, the problem is, and I go through in the whole video, you have to watch it, but I go through renal physiology and like the first couple times you drink your pee, it might not be too problematic, but the, the more concentrated it gets over time, the more ammonia you build up. And this is an issue. And I go into the whole like concentration of gradients of ammonia in the kidney and how that can get disrupted. So um, it's not a good idea. 
it's what, not. <laughs> what about okay? This is this is this is this is gonna get this is gonna get weird. Um, what about like people who have like water sports fetishes where they like to pee on each other? Is that safe or is that not safe? It's it's safe. Like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, it's just not. Don't drink the pee and then pee yeah, it out don't... and then drink it again and then pee it out and drink it again because that's where the problem yeah, is. That... Yeah. Okay. Much. Okay. Um. All right. Interesting. I, I could ask you a bunch of other sex questions, but I'll I'll leave that. Um. Candida diet. Uh. Bullshit. It's bullshit. Okay. I grew up with this one. That was a um. That was one I grew oh, really? up with. Yeah. Really? Hugely. Yeah. And um. Yeah. You know, there's a machine that that like you you touch, and then it puts certain things. They put certain things on this machine, and it, zap, it measures measures your electrical things. I want to talk you, about like... I want to talk about that because I've not heard of that before. But I want to okay. talk about that on medical myth. But apparently, is an opportunistic pathogen. It people can grow it, um, and it's it's usually grown in people who are immunocompromised anyway. So HIV patients, cancer patients um, are more prone to candida infections or people with uh, vaginal yeast infections caused by a reduction of, of bacteria in the area. So it, it's an overgrowth of a pathogen that's already there. So most people do not have a candida overgrowth. Um, and the way that the candida diet instructs they basically say that all sugar uh grows candida it's it's true but not true in that yes candida likes sugar but in the amounts that you're eating on a regular day-to-day -day basis if you are not immunocompromised you're really not at high risk for um candida overgrowth in your intestines okay interesting um this uh i'll leave this one for the end magnetic therapy absolute bullshit <laughs> your blood cannot be controlled by magnets it's okay. not true what about if you got the covid vaccine i've heard that makes people magnetic yeah no it doesn't and <laughs> okay. the, you watch the episode because the amount of magnetism that they are claiming so what they did instead of actually calculating out the amount of magnetism for them for the bracelet they took each individual magnet and then added them together and said that the sum of the magnetism was the amount of magnetism you're getting, which was equal to 11 MRI machines, which is not true. You are not walking around with 11 MRI machines on your wrist because you would not be able to pull yourself <laughs> off of a car. It's false. Okay. Uh, this is a big one. Um, I have, so I have a friend who, a friend of a friend who went through, who had cancer and went through Dr. Simoncini's bicarb soda cancer treatment and the cancer disappeared. Um, so the, this mm. is the cancer is a fungus. No, cancer <laughs> is your own. It's your own cells uh, that have mutated and people that have a cancer uh, remit, like we know that spontaneous remission is possible and we don't always know why because uh, this is a fairly new field of study, but sometimes cancer goes away and we don't, we don't have a good answer for it. And uh, 
it's not the right answer to chalk it up to weird things like cancers of fungus or this apple cider vinegar diet or cannabis or whatever have you. Um, the answer is it went away and it's great that mm. it did. We might not know why. So mm. that's the most there's honest a, answer I can give on that. That's the, there's a documentary called um, by vice called stoned kids. And it was about brave Michaela who, whose parents were giving her mass. She was terminally had cancer. I think, I don't know if she was terminal, but she had cancer and her parents were giving her mass amounts of THC and she's still alive like 10 years later. Now, whether or not it was the THC or something else, or it was the placebo effect or, or spontaneous rem, um, remission, like we, we need, we need studies to find that obviously. Um, but it is interesting that, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, yeah, and there are uses for cannabis in in treatment of cancer, particularly with uh, as an anti nausea medication. We we mm. do use it to treat nausea in in cancer therapy. But and if if somebody is terminal, like I don't care what terminal cancer you have, if you're terminal, you should be able to do whatever drugs you want because if you're going to go out anyway. Why do we need to restrict uh, your fun for the last bit of your life? Like, I, I, have... <laughs> I, yeah, I have, um, I have a, I don't know who they were. They're, they're a distant relative. I'm pretty sure it was like an auntie or like a, a second auntie or great auntie or something. They lived in, it was like 50 years ago or something. And they lived in, they had terminal cancer. And they lived in like the UK, I think it was. And they were going to die. So they actually, they actually moved them to, I think, the Netherlands, where all drugs were legal um, at the mm -hmm. time, or somewhere in Europe where all drugs were legal. And they gave them heroin for the last like part of their life. And they weren't like they weren't like knocked out of their head. They just had enough that they could like they were happy and laughing and having a great time for the last part of their life. It didn't right. matter that they were going to get addicted; they were going to die. And they lived right. the last part of their life in in pure bliss and like laughing with the family and having a great time. Um, Right. I, I don't see why we could we couldn't have like a like a form that you sign that says, hey, I consent to this at the end of my life. Like mm. you could easily get around some some legal ramifications by by like um, like, yeah, I at the, I have an advanced directive that says if I am not able to live past if, if my life expectancy is less than blank, I want to smoke meth and <laughs> inject some heroin and drink a lot like yeah. that should be your right to choose i should like yeah. your long-term health is not relevant at that point because you're already predicted to die within six months like if you're hospice so i don't see the problem yeah. in letting somebody enjoy the end of their life so i mean that's just my personal opinion but again like it's a personal consent thing like it, you don't have to consent to that if you say i don't want to do that <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to yeah but it's but like for the um, people who want to i don't see the issue here <laughs> it's don't. like the it's it's the same thing it's like hey like just because like trans people exist you don't have to transition yourself or just because right. gay marriage is a thing doesn't mean you have to marry a man or marry a woman like you, it's like you can like if can, i'm gonna you, die you anyway i want to be happy let me it's die happy thing. okay yeah like, <laughs> uh so jumping um, on to some q a questions Anja had a great question before um yeah Question for Ben. How do you respond to people who say, yeah, but those are anom anomalies when presented with the nuances of sex and biology? 
Yeah. So here's here's my response is that um, eliminating people from the equation who don't fit your binary for the sake of keeping the binary is dishonest in that um, like you can think of any number of exceptions. Like, let's say people who uh, have a uterus, like people who are cis women who have a uterus. There are obviously exceptions in that some people get a hysterectomy for whatever reason. And they cannot have children or people who get a tubal ligation or a uh, they they tie their tubes. They cannot get pregnant. So to say that women can get pregnant is uh, false in that not all women can get pregnant because of any number of reasons. So while it's an exception, it does not disqualify somebody from from being included in the group. So it's dishonest when people say a woman or let's say a, a man's easier to use for this a man is somebody who has a penis so then if, if you're using that as your definition then you have to say that someone who um does not have a penis let's say they had penile cancer and had to to get it removed that they are no longer a man because they had that removed so while there are exceptions to the trend, it does not exclude people from being included in that category. So that's that's my response. Like, and if someone is going to engage with you in a, in a discussion about this, that you you bring that in. Like, if you say, "What makes you a man?" and someone says, "My penis makes me a man." Okay, so if you if you went to war and your penis was blown off by a bomb for what whatever unfortunate circumstance are you no longer a man? And more often than not, they would say, no, I'm still a man. This thing just happened to me. And I would agree with them. So you take them them further uh, down that route and, and, and you get to a point where the anatomy does not determine the gender identity. And so that's even, no matter how far you go down that pathway, you don't eliminate that gender identity. And so that's the point that we get to. So um, I definitely recommend if you engage on this topic, take an, a straight epistemology approach and like, because people aren't receptive to just blanket. Yeah, well, exceptions are included because they might not listen to you, but get them to think that they made the connection and you might, you might win. Yeah. 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 Um great answer uh what's so what's the purpose oh sorry um do you have to go uh, what's the process of transitioning and do people have a, a different place where they i don't know where i didn't finish that but what's the process of transitioning like you yeah. say you say if you want to start transitioning what's the process mm. so uh i'll i think i know where the question was going and and where's the end point for different people is kind of where mm -hmm. I think that they're going. Oh, so yeah, yeah, all yeah. Of that. Uh, yeah. So it's different for everybody. And that's what's what's very great because you get to choose what happens to your own body. And I stand by everyone's right to choose what happens to their own body. So um, I'm a, a binary trans man. And so my, my journey has been very typical for what a lot of other trans men go through in that I came out to myself first. I, I learned that I might be trans 
And then from there, I socially transitioned. So this is a period where no medical intervention is happening at all. Uh, and this is a completely 100% reversible process in I'm trying out new pronouns. I'm trying out new hairstyle, clothing style, maybe a new name, trying different things out. And then if I don't like it, I can go back and say, hey, this didn't work for me and then switch. So, so my first step was social transition. And then once I got comfortable with social transition, I sought out medical transition. And um, I did for myself get a psychotherapist um, to make sure that I had appropriate mental health care while I was going through it because I knew it was going to be a journey uh, for figuring out who I was and I wanted somebody to talk to while I went through that, uh, whatever happened. So I did get a therapist. They were not necessary uh, for me to get hormone therapy, but I personally wanted them there just in case I had certain things I wanted to process with them. And so then I started medical transition. I, I went on hormones um, and it, it gradually increases. So it, you don't get a full dose right away. Uh, you start off a very small dose and then you see how it goes for the first month or first, even the first three months, because you don't really see a whole lot of level changes within the first three months. So you kind of go through three months on a low dose. You reevaluate with your provider and say, Hey, I like this, or I didn't like this. And then you adjust from there. Um, I liked it, so I increased my dosage, and so I follow up with them every three months to evaluate where I'm at and to see if my levels are appropriate for a cis man of of my age group. And the next step for me is I'm scheduled to get top surgery sometime in April, and in fact, like this is another shill, but um, I have a fundraiser that, that I'm doing for my top surgery. If anyone wants to contribute to it. You can find it on my Twitter. It's the uh, the pinned tweet there. Uh, but for Absolutely. me, it's... Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna yeah. to post, post that. Um... Yeah, kind of the typical route is social transition followed by hormones and then top surgery and then bottom surgery, at least for a trans man. I know for trans women, it might be a little bit different in that they have more surgeries that they often go through. Like they have facial feminization surgery uh which trans men don't have to go through so many trans women that go through ffs might do that before they go through top surgery or they might do it after that's dependent on who they are as a person um but for a binary person that's kind of the trend that that we're going to follow for someone who's non-binary or for anyone that just doesn't uh want to follow the same pathway you can undergo any of these procedures in whatever order you want and especially as an uh, as an adult over 18 you can consent to whatever procedures you want or don't want so you talk to your your provider and um there's somebody else in the community i'm not going to name names for privacy purposes but other people who have undergone bottom surgery before top surgery and that's fine like and if that's something that you want to do as an adult you can make that decision. Uh, if you want to undergo top surgery before you have hormones, um, that's also fine. It's it's a matter of what is priority for you. And some people who are non-binary might never 
might never go through bottom surgery or might never go through top surgery. Same thing with even binary trans, trans men or binary trans women might never do bottom surgery because it's risky and you, you face some more uh, complications potentially with it. It's also very expensive. So there might be multiple reasons why someone might not choose to go through a particular therapy and that's up to you. Mm. So my, I, my approach is like, I, there's a general trend of what the majority chooses, but I will happily support anybody in whatever is best for them and what they consent to. Awesome. Okay. I had a friend um, who lived in Thailand and they were like a, a, a strong Christian at the time. They were over there doing mission work and helping um, like girls in sex slavery and things like that. Um, that fun fact, um, she's one of my best friends um, and um, she's now married to a lady. So, and not a Christian. So um, she had the, she was the first gay wedding I ever went to. I went out and bought the gayest socks I could possibly find to wear underneath my, um, in my shoes. But, um, but she was saying that when she was over there, she was talking to her partner and she who was Thai and she was asking like, Hey, this person's clearly not passing as a lady, like a lady boy was there. Why? Like, it's obvious they could just put in a little bit more effort and they could then look like a, a lady but then they don't and because obviously there are a lot of um a lot of uh lady boys i don't know if that's the same but there are a lot of lady boys in thailand and um the her partner said to her well that's as far as that person needs to go to make themselves happy so yeah. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what if they're passing or not they just needed to like go a certain they had to go a certain amount of way, uh, down the line of transitioning, I guess, or appearing that, that way to feel happy. And that's what they did. And that totally changed my friend's perspective. They're like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's why, that's why you might see someone and they're not, they're, they're transgender, but they might not be perfectly like, I'll say quote unquote convincing. Right. Um, without trying to be sound disrespectful. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just because, it's a personal thing. It's that's how far they want to go. And that made, when she told me that that made so much more sense to me. It's like, it's a, it's an, it's not a, it's not trying to trick the world. It's a personal, this is how I want to look. This is how I want to mm -hmm. be perceived by society. And that made things yeah. a lot easier for me to understand. I absolutely agree. Yeah. It, it's based on you and your happiness. And some people, I know plenty of people who don't want to do every surgery and they're happy mm. Mm. and that's totally valid like uh you don't need to put your body through what you don't want to put your body through and and i i stand for that in terms of uh being pro-choice you you should have the final say of whatever goes on in your body and that goes for trans people too and i will support mm. whatever decision you think you want to make about that uh, so Okay. Um, does every trans person start with gender dysphoria? Is that like an innate thing in no, transgender? Not everybody does. So it's interesting. There's a certain camp of trans people that will say that you require gender dysphoria to be seen as trans. And I'm not in that camp. Uh, I know people who are trans and who have not experienced dysphoria, but they experience euphoria with 
a certain gender identity and gender expression. Ah, okay. So some people say, I, I have neutral feelings towards being a woman, but I have very happy feelings being a man. And so they might not hate being a woman, but they're not happy there. And they might say, I'm happier with, with this presentation and with this identity. And, mm. and so not everybody's journey is the same. Uh, I have dysphoria, but not everybody does. And I will happily stand by anybody that says that they are trans, whether or not they have dysphoria, because that's, that's for them to decide. Yeah. One of the things, um, I don't know if now I'm just drunk and remembering parts of the documentary, but one, and if this is related at all, but one of the things in the documentary was, um, they asked that person, you know, um, can you tell what a cat is? Or, you know, like there's that book that he wrote us about being a moose or something. It's like, um, it's like how many documented cases do we have of people like killing themselves over identifying as a moose? Like this isn't yeah. researched. This isn't researched. This isn't even yeah. taken seriously. This isn't a thing, but how many people do we have who kill themselves because, or at least are extremely depressed or are struggling mentally because they don't fit the gender that they're in. This is well documented yeah. and this is well studied. And this is, there has been sh like transitioning shows that there was a fact, you know what? I would even go as far as to say, if there was like a huge majority of people, like a huge group of people who did identify as, as moose or mooses or meese or whatever, moose, moose. And, and we found that giving them like, you know, um, fur implants and things made them happier then go for it. I don't care. Like whatever, but that's not what's happening. And that, and that's yeah. the point. Yeah. Um, I have to hold myself back from ranting when I get this drunk. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who, um, what, what, what advice would you give to someone as someone who is transitioning to someone who's thinking about transitioning? Yeah, uh, it's, it's difficult to really work in your head, um, whether or not you want to transition for someone, if you've already reached the point to say, I want to, but insert whatever factor here, whether it be, uh, oftentimes it's a social factor of, I want to transition, but I am scared of what being trans will do to me. Um, and that's something that I dealt with was I, I want to transition, but I am scared of being seen as trans. I'm scared if it goes in a way that I don't want it to go. I'm scared of harassment. I'm scared of, of being ostracized from my family. And those are reasonable fears. Um, my thought is if you already know that you'd be happier doing this, then do it. Um, and, and in fact, with social transition, you can always go back. You, mm -hmm. you are not ever committed to uh, socially transitioning one, one way or another. And if you want to say, hey, I want to try out some they, them pronouns or she, her pronouns or he, him pronouns, go for it. And if, if you have friends that are, are good friends, they will not hate you if you decide later to say, hey, I, I don't like these pronouns. Can we go back to what I used before? Like if you have real friends, they're they're not going to hate you for trying something to better yourself. Um, so you it's can actually, social transition. Yeah, go for it. It's actually it's actually funny. So I've gotten into the habit of using they them for everyone, right? Like I'll, or mm. or even when I um, I've got a gaming channel, um, and you know no one subscribes and no one cares and no one watches. But when I play it, um, I'll say like 
um I'll, I'll catch myself saying all right boys we're gonna and then i'll be like and then i'll change to like all right folks because i want to be inclusive because mm. like you know especially in the gaming in part of the world women that like just shit on so i'm trying to like be more yeah. inclusive there but what's funny in the introduction um I had a bunch of like they's and them's in the um, introduction when I was introducing you, and I actually had to go back. I was like, no, and I changed it to he and him and his um, in in the um, introduction because I was like, this is funny. This is like the opposite case of where I try and be inclusive all the time, but I was like, no, no. Like the whole point of this is that Ben is a he him. Like <laughs> so, I actually went back and changed. So it was it's it funny how like um, I, I caught myself trying to be inclusive. That it would have come across as maybe yeah. uninclusive or something. So it's it's fun. Well, it was and funny. yeah, for people who like, if you if you do a social transition, and and I'm aware that some people might not be able to do a lot of social transition before they do medical because it might be dangerous to mm. only social transition. Um. So there's a, a myth that is perpetuated. As well, well, there's a there's a myth that's perpetuated by the a lot of transphobes where you will instantly have physiological changes with HRT, which is false. It takes weeks to months to, to get any kind of results from HRT. And especially estrogen takes longer uh, on average for phys physical changes than testosterone does. And I'm, I'm a year and a half uh, on, on T and my voice has changed. My muscle mass has changed, but there's still like, I don't have, I don't have facial hair. I can't grow a lot of facial hair. That hmm. typically comes in like between two and four years on tees. So the lie that are you gonna do you think you're gonna grow a beard? My family doesn't grow a whole lot, but they can grow mustaches. So this this is growing in more than this is, but we'll see what happens. Um, but, do, but do you think I what I'm saying is do you think do you think you're gonna rock it? Like do you think you're gonna like let it I hope it I hope it happens. If it happens, I'm growing it, but oh, hell well, yeah. I mean hell yeah. Until I go active duty military uh, in yeah. July, in which case I will have to shave every week. But yeah, um, but like if you if you honestly think to yourself that you want to do hormone therapy, you can you can do it without necessarily committing to long term changes. Uh, in that, like, I was afraid of this when I first started that in the first week I was going to get irreversible changes and it's not true. So uh, it took a while for me to get any kind of results from it, apart from the mental uh, confidence boost, which was great. That was immediate. But if you want to try hormones, it's, it's pretty risk-free for a, a good period of time. So if you want, let's say you're assigned male and you want to try estrogen you could do estrogen for a few weeks and see how it makes you feel emotionally before you get any kind of physical changes. So you can decide for yourself there. You're not condemning yourself to irreversible changes by doing HRT. So if you really are considering it, I would say go for it. And over the first two to three weeks, if you don't like what you're getting, even over the first week, if you don't like how you feel on it, you can stop it. No one's going to make you do it longer than you want to. So that that's my recommendation. If, if, if you want to try it, then try it and know that it's temporary if you want to stop at any time. Uh, once you get longer, like for, for trans guys, voice changes start happening 
at the earliest about a month, uh, and it's a very minimal. The farther you go, the the more irreversible the changes are to your voice. So know that if you want to try it, maybe a few weeks versus a few months uh, for reversible changes, but try it. Try it, and then and then you can always stop. Okay. To be honest, the explosive orgasm thing we said before makes me want to try tea. Um, well, and I, I mean, oh, well, and and for cis guys, like a lot of cis guys have low T levels. Yes. Yeah. So if, I've if actually you heard have, that it's like it's like yeah, it's forty percent. Uh, it's very 40, common. It's like forty percent. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's um. I don't know if I have low T levels, um, but um, just the, you can always get them measured. Like the word explosive can. orgasm just will not get out of my head. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so we didn't talk too much, and, and maybe we can say this a bit for more of another another time. But um, but you did mention like you eventually de- deconstructed your faith. You're no longer mm-hmm. a believer in Christianity um, or in God. Um, so I got two. Uh, questions that I always ask people um, on this channel. So what, if anything, would change your mind specifically on the God belief? On the God belief? Um, it's it's hard to specifically say what specific thing, um, but if, if somebody could prove a causal relation between God and whatever the fuck is going on here on this planet, um which there's a lot of things you could like literally any causal relation if you could prove a causal relation uh and not just a correlation i would consider i would reconsider okay but i need math for that (laughs) you gotta feel it bro you gotta feel it that's the that's what uh... I, i need some math i need some i need some other i need you to also exclude i need to find some way to exclude hallucination from the differentials so yeah if you can, if you can a... demonstrate causality and uh prove that it wasn't a hallucination which is difficult to do then you yeah. know i'd reconsider um okay and last question um is what is the most plausibly true religion that you don't believe in oh god i don't know <laughs> uh well okay well actually no um of the religions in the world like i and again this might be a cop out because i I don't believe in deities i don't believe in any deities um but uh zen buddhism is probably the closest (laughs) to correct everyone says that because of the lack of god claim yeah (laughs) yeah everyone says that everyone says that um so just wrapping up quickly i i do want to mention that i really thank you for coming on um deep drinks ben this isn't a safe space for anyone because (laughs) we have deep conversations this is the disclaimer i put up um we have deep conversations i'll talk to people about almost anything um as long as it's done responsibly um so uh but i and i think that you you know i i i I always um put the right title on these videos so people have a choice on whether or not to to have uh, to join in these conversations or watch these conversations because I realize that deep conversations sometimes aren't just like a um, a perfect spot. But what I what I really appreciate is you coming on anyway and deciding to have this conversation. Um, uh, and and but what I want to say is that 
although this place isn't a safe space, and I'll give everyone, I'll talk to Christians, I'll talk to people who I find morally reprehensible. I want to say personally that I'm an ally. I've got Grim War in my ally shirt. I'm a um, ally. Hey. I love my trans people. I love my members of the LGBT community. I've got a soft spot in my heart for them, especially because one of my best friends, Colin, first episode of Deep Drinks, spent 45 years closeted. Um, so although this isn't a safe space for everyone, this is where we have deep conversations about all sorts of topics that can be hard for people to listen to. I just wanted to say that, that my personal perspective is that. And also, I wanted to shout out your um, fundraiser for your top surgery as well. Um, I appreciate $2, it. $2,444 raise of the 10 grand. So guys, let's get, let's, let's, let's push that, that number up a little bit um, for the people watching. Um, it'd be great to see you get to that $10,000 um, goal. Um, be I awesome to see. Uh, so thank you so much, Ben, for coming on Deep Drinks. It's been, it's been really cool getting to know you, man. And, um, I'm, there, there is a panel that I'm supposed to be part of, um, what do you call it? Ben's bullshit Bible study. Um, oh yeah. 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 And we, we're, we're going through a, um, it was super interesting. It's on your channel as well, right? Where we're going through a purity culture book. Um, yeah. But, but what you went through back before you transitioned. So it, it mm. you're coming from the perspective of like what the, the gender norms came on, like mm -hmm. we'll push onto you. So, yeah. 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 So uh, I'm going to be on that. Hopefully uh, if I can, if we can line up time, but I'm, I've got there, I've got the book ready to go and um, super excited for that. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on Ben. And is there anything else you want to say before we leave? Not really. Thank you everybody for joining us. I know we went like way over time, but that's I totally cool. All appreciated this discussion and I've had a few drinks. So it's been, it's been <laughs> awesome. Fun. What do you, you got plans for the rest of the night? No, I'm hanging out. I'm hoping I'll, I'll chat with you backstage, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. You just correct me on every like um, uh, wrong thing I said. <laughs> no. All right. Awesome. I'll talk to you later, guys. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on Thursday night. Well, it might be Wednesday night for you guys, Wednesday morning or something for Russell Mansa. See you guys.